Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? We're uh, pushing uh, to the upside here now in the last week pretty strong. Big moves yesterday in the semiconductors. Uh, not sure why that all is, but uh, I, well, I guess they figured out how to raise prices, which is what a lot of people are doing. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. What's up, man? How are you? Doing okay. Happy Friday to one and all. Yeah. The uh, I watched uh, bits and pieces of most of the games last night. There was um, pr- some pretty good ones. Uh Texas Tech ended up being favored over Duke, but then they lost. Arizona lost, right? So there's only one number one left. The Texas Tech-Duke game was a very good game, though. Yeah. Arizona was the only one that wasn't really close, and uh, that that was a number one seed getting uh, getting knocked out. Yeah. The uh, So what are the, uh, the St. Somebody's? They're playing tonight, right? The, the Who's that? St. Uh, whatever they are, St. Peter's. Oh, St. Peter's are yeah. playing Purdue tonight. Any chance? Probably not, but hey, you know, I would have said that the last two rounds as well, so let's see what happens. Yeah, well, Gonzaga uh, got their butt kicked. Were you surprised at that? Uh, not really. Um, you know, uh, honestly, um, neither Houston, uh, not Arkansas, you know, those teams are, uh, are kind of butt kicking defensive teams that make it hard for anybody to play a smooth game. Texas Tech was the same way. Um, and uh, and when you play that well on defense and you're that disruptive, you always have a chance. Well, plus they had a lot of big, strong guys with a lot of fouls to give, which uh, can can sort of, I won't use the word intimidate, but can bother a lot of teams. You know, I mean, they, they yeah. Got, and uh, so yeah, I mean they're they're pretty much in. Right, I think the you know, today the well we got the group here at the United Centers today, so. Uh, one of the guys was sniveling last night. His kid wanted to go. He wasn't about to pay five hundred bucks. How come Kevin these tickets are so hard to get? And every time he watches, you know, it was funny. I was I was looking yesterday, not looking to buy them, but just uh, on some uh, uh, scheduling stuff, and and they had links for buying tickets. And the games in San Francisco, they said tickets as low as like one hundred and forty dollars, and which is probably you know way up in the corner. Um, but for San Antonio, it said like tickets as low as thirty-two bucks or something like that. Well, how is it that there's this huge demand for them? Every time you watch the game, they're half full. Is that because the people who get the good seats only watch their team, and then they don't watch the other game or something? Yeah, that happens a lot, especially if their team has uh, the first game in the session. Boy, I'd, I'd like to watch the second game if it was me. I mean, I, you know, you and I like basketball enough. We're we're, we're not about the to. Uh, not, not watch a Sweet 16 game and we're sitting right there. I would hope, but 
That's us. I, I would, you know, I'd just go sit there all day. I've, you know, I've been to the Big Ten tournament any number of times, and, yeah, I, you know, I'll just go, you know, sit through the whole session. I'll go sit through four games in a day. I'm a basketball, college basketball junkie. I like it. Um, so, but, yeah, you get a lot of fans who teach. I, I've been to the, uh, which played the last one this year. We're not, they're not going to renew the series, but the Crossroads Classic in December where the uh, four Indiana teams play, but uh, um, Indiana and Purdue host Notre Dame and Butler, and they flip them back. They were flipping them back and forth every year. So one year Indiana played Butler, the next year Notre Dame, and and Purdue would have the other opponent. And um, when uh, when Indiana plays the first game, <laughs> the place clears out afterwards. You got Purdue. You could have Purdue Notre Dame. Doesn't matter. That's a that's a pretty yeah. good matchup. Well, Doesn't yeah. matter. All the IU fans go home. Well, they, where are they going home to? It, it's just a reminder not to pay for the really good seats because you'll be able to move down in the, for your own game. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, hey, Kevin and I have been uh, debating on the Internet, uh, well, email back and forth, and uh, regarding uh, where this, the Supreme Court decision is, is headed college sports. But I want to put that one off to next week, Kevin, if we can. Uh, because okay. I, 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 this is one of those odd, odd situations where I agree with you and Webby and with Lou uh, just about all the way down except I have this really weird feeling that some of the original decisions regarding my industry and not having people in the you know uh, stock options and stocks traded in one spot may have sounded right when they began but there was no direction of where they were going and where it all landed is a really bad place in my mind I think when you change something you need to have some kind of direction about okay this this is wrong which we all agree with, but <clears throat> it opens up a whole new world. Now, what's that other world going to look like? And you just and you can't let the world get there by accident. Uh, I mean, well, and we can get into this next week. Yeah. But you know, my my, you know, the point I've been making all the way through is the NCAA has had more than ten years to prepare for this. Okay. Well, so did my first industry. legal challenge. So did my industry. They should have been ready with some structure for all this name, image, and likeness stuff, and they had not a thing, not even the first thought about it. They just turned everybody loose. And I have some, I have some ideas on what they should have done and what they could still do. Okay, I, I'm with you. But all I know is that in, in my industry, we went from, oh, exchanges should be able to be competitive, Nobody defined what that exactly meant. Nobody defined how that changed the customer, the relationship, the broker and the client. Uh, nobody anticipated payment for order flow, and now here we are. And yet decision number one probably was a well thought out. Yet here we are <laughs> in a spot where nobody wanted to go, Kevin. I mean, so you know, I just don't want that to happen to college ball. I mean, and, you know, you, uh, I think the genie's out of the bottle. It's it's you know, going to look so different five or five to ten years out. Well, I mean, is the, the example of one of the things we've been fighting about is, is that what I don't, I don't want, I mean, if schools have to pay players, you know, I guess so, or professional players anyway. But what, what I don't want is, you know, and it's in my industry, Kevin, when you think you get free commissions, because somebody else is paying to essentially steal your order and do, and, and do a crummy job with it, even though they claim they aren't, uh, the, the, the entire, when you come down to who's paying for who, even some of our dopey congressmen, basically, we're, we're able to tell the guy at Citadel, 
or some of the brokerage firms, wait a minute, you're not working for the client. He's not paying you. The other guy's paying you. You're working for him. And what I, what I don't want in the NCAA is 80% of whatever money people are going to get are being paid to players by not the universities. Because I somehow I can't define what that's going to look like, but I don't think it sounds healthy. And I, you know, right. The university wants to maintain this uh, extracurricular activity model uh, because that comes with a uh, um, because because employee making them employees comes with all kinds of things that they don't, really don't want to deal with. Right. So um, as a result, we you know they they're perfectly willing to do the opposite of what you're suggesting. Absolutely. All right. Belay that. And, and yet, and yet they uh, they do have they have set up. Uh, Operations in their athletic departments to organize all of this for their athletes. Uh, how, you know, how, how that's talk talk about straddling both sides of the fence, huh? As uh, is, is my my uh, the old chairman of the CBOE used to say, "You're carrying water on both shoulders." <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Um, hey, uh, so, yeah, we can we can get into some of the specifics. So, what, do you, what would you like to discuss well, I, I, otherwise? Well, first we of all, we had coming on in uh, at the bottom of the hour, but this. Uh, Supply chain stuff and the and the um, alleged natural gas deal, where Biden and the and the person from Europe were talking about prices being long term supply and demand. I guess we'll maybe I'll put that one off for Carl, whatever that means. But people are interfering with the supply and demand. But the supply chain article you sent uh, and it's from uh, we can tweet it out. But the uh, yeah, I can tweet it. But it's it, from supply chain. Digital. But it's it's essentially fascinating, Kevin. Not because it's anything really new, but it just uh, kind of zeroes in on there are places in the world for whatever reason have you know supplies of something that other people need and trade doesn't necessarily depend on you liking the person you trade with uh, it probably somewhat depends if you're actually actively at war with them but there's different different ways to go about doing this in different times I mean even if you you hate the person next door the, the farmer next door, if he's a better, uh, you know, taking care of dairy cows than you are, and you're a better farmer, you're probably going to trade him corn for milk, even if you don't like the guy. You're going to leave him in the, you know, it'll be you might leave it at the fence and never talk and, and turn around and, and that kind of thing. But but econ- economics sometimes trumps whether you like people or not. As a matter of fact, a lot of times it does. Now, we're t- one of this this article steps out. I'll let you talk more on me. But well, the, the, and it, it, look, before before you get off of that thought, yes, it does. But you know, the thing. Uh, in, in, gosh, when was it? Was it in the fall? I, I taught um, business ethics, and one of the things I kept getting after them about is, "Where's your line? Where are you drawing the line?" Well, right. And especially when you get into purchasing, you know, um, you know, and, and sourcing materials. Where where you draw? You know, you can buy from uh, slave labor. Uh, you know, nobody's comfortable that the line's that far. Uh, well, where is it? And uh, and I think that's that's the challenge for um, all of this. Whether it's whether it's uh, um, national policy on trade, whether it's an individual's uh, uh, individual company's purchasing code of ethics, whether it's your purchasing decisions and mine. Um, you know, it, it, that's that's the big issue. You always and and. In, and, and to not be informed, to ignore um, information that you have available to you when it, when it comes to that, is I think um, negligent. I think it is our all. We all have a personal responsibility. So does that mean you're never going to buy anything that's made in China? 
you know, I'd do that if I could, um, but I don't know how to avoid it completely. But can I go out of my way to avoid as much of it as possible? Yeah, and I do. Well, you do, but uh, I, I, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm beset with this core digest that I now become addicted to. Um, they, they I read their music stuff. Well, they showed a picture of uh, did a high school, high, college coach or a pro coach, and he's wearing. I, I wonder why these guys don't wear suit and ties anymore. So the question was: Oh, that, uh, that was a, a COVID thing. No, um, where uh, where uh, everybody went casual as as part of the uh, you know all of their protocols and everything going on, and when they were playing without fans and so on, and uh, they all decided they liked it. So uh, I, I think I have seen one coach in a suit uh, in the whole NCAA tournament. Um, I don't. I, I said I should remember this, whether it's college or pro. I think it, maybe it's pro. Uh, you would be wrong on that. You're very seldom wrong. Uh, the, and the answer was, well, assuming this guy's right. Is that uh, one of the two? I think it's uh, the pros. You have to be wearing something made from Nike on a, on a bench, and unless my Nike makes a tie, you can't wear a tie. It's hard to believe Nike doesn't make a tie. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure they don't. Well, I'm sure they maybe do. But the point being is, how exactly? Uh, I mean, wouldn't that make a lovely pattern? Your swoosh tie. Well, oh yeah. The uh, but I, you know, I'm saying I. I one of these days, I'm, as I'm trying to do a little bit more exercise, I'm going to get myself a new pair of shoes. And what I'm doing is I'm searching for somebody who made them here in America. Now, how the hell, I mean, does the entire NBA not, not care about slave labor in China? I guess not. I mean, I'm, no. And and every time I see, uh, you know, somebody who is, um, you know, is, is complaining about, uh, oh, you know, any social uh, justice issues. Wearing a Nike shirt, I just laugh at them. Yeah, well, I I, I think they're right. they're non serious people. Well, I mean the uh, the whole you know woke thing here that if you even hint at a word nobody wants to hear you say, I'm not talking about a really bad word, but even regular ones. I mean, you're, you're ostracized for life, and yet you know we can we can go out and buy something at a discount from China, and that's okay. I mean, it's amazing how people get to define their own morality these days. What, what did what did Lou call it? It's the uh, uh, moral relativist. Moral relativism, yeah. All right, so and and and, and by the way, I think I, I'm pretty sure New Balance is made in the U.S. So you know, okay. If if, if you're looking for uh, a dress shoes, you can get a very nice gym shoe from New Balance. Um, actually, I thought one of the guys at the dear departed uh, sports authority told me he thought Sockening was too, but I but I don't know that. I have to check that. All right, so we've got. Uh, this one example they're using in this article was that Russia is the world's number one provider of nickel and the number one provider of palladium. Now, back in the day, before everybody thought it was bad, everybody knows it's bad, uh, they were the number one supplier of asbestos, correct, and talcum. Um, and yet, during the Cold War, we didn't like the Ruskies much, yet, uh, I'm going to say we imported a hell of a lot of asbestos, and they imported stuff from us. I mean, uh, right now, I saying I don't really want to import anything from them, but um, is, is nickel in the palladium shortage? Is that why the semiconductors stocks were all up yesterday? Because uh, they all decided they can raise prices yet again. I mean, I mean nothing can do, no man can do one thing, Kevin, right? I mean, it's, uh, how do you, right now, it's... Well, there, there gets to be a point where you can you can raise prices all you want. If you can't get your hands on any product to sell, you can charge whatever you want for it. You're not selling anything. Um, well, so why were the semiconductor uh, uh, 
stocks up? I have no idea. Well, okay, so what... Now, the people who want nickel, the people in Taiwan to, to do semiconductors, they're, they're, they'll probably find a way to get it out of Russia because Russia's anxious to sell it, correct? Now, how they do it, whether they use they try and use Bitcoin or something, this, this is either going to be... I think, Kevin, this is either going to be something where... Well, they'll buy it from a, a company that bought it, or a country that bought it from Russia... Uh, and uh, so a country that hasn't sanctioned Russia and that we haven't sanctioned. And they'll try to cover their tracks. Well, India seems like they're trying to position themselves for that. Oh, yeah. They, they're actually, you know, you got you got to tip your hat to them. They're pretty good at playing both sides. Um, but it's still India. Yeah, I, I understand. No, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying, you know, if, if you're going to go with shrewd, uh, you know, that's... Well, you can be as shrewd as you want, but they're good at it. Four hundred million of your population poops outside every day. You're not that shrewd. Just saying. <laughs> well, now there's a difference between smart and shrewd. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, Nancy Pelosi, I don't think she's smart, but I think she's shrewd. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Don't don't assume they don't have a skill set because they do. Uh, what did we say about Roosevelt? Of course, he's brilliant in a lot of ways, but said you could draw your finger or, or uh, a pencil across the country. And he could name every county and every state and how they voted this last time or something like that. But they have a skill set that you and I don't even want. <laughs> but they have it. Just, just saying. All right. So, how, how does how does this shake out, Kevin? I mean, there, there's some stuff there that's going to get out. Some oil is going to get out. I mean, uh, and some people need it. Uh, and what, whether, however, the prices get paid now. As China, they, people keep saying they're getting discount oil. How much of a discount? I mean, how does that even work? I mean. Uh, Everybody's paying hundred dollars a barrel, and China's getting it for ten. I mean, you know, I can't, I don't buy that. Do you? Because if it is, no, China's but, uh, you know, is it a hundred versus seventy-five? Probably. Because if it's ten, I, I, I got to believe that China's just going to wave at the ship going by, and they're going to sell it to somebody else at a hundred. I mean, I, this, this is. I mean, you've got me onto this, so this is a fascinating. I mean, how do you think? What? What? How many items do you think we get from Russia? That there just isn't anywhere else. And I'm sure there's stuff we sell that you can't get anywhere else too, right? Well, or, or that your your other options aren't that great either. Well, here they've so, for instance, oil. You know, where where have we gone begging for oil because we still don't want to drill it ourselves? So where have we gone begging for oil? I can't well, believe we've gone, we've gone to Iran, to Iran. That's, that's, that's uh, we've that's gone nice. begging to Venezuela uh, because the Saudis won't take our call. Yeah, uh, you know, so, so, you know, are, are there other sources? Sure. Are we happy about those? Either you know, no. So, what's next? Well, I mean, the, the Saudis I mean, are. This, a, this is this is this is this is a time that really demands uh, people, someone who can thread the needle. I think, and um, and and I have no, you know, and this is not a Trump endorsement because I don't. No, you know the death touch of Donald Trump never struck me as anything special either. But uh, but I have no no faith in the Biden administration being able to uh, uh, to pull it off to really you know to to you know keep things moving um, without severe disruptions. I, I I just think we're we're in for tough times. Well, Kevin, we that everybody said well supply supply networks are going to straighten themselves out. Uh, over the course of the year, and I've been every time that comes up here, I keep saying no. It's going to take several years, and 
now we are in the process of extending that period of time for a lot. I do think the way it ultimately will shake out is you'll see more stuff sourced in the United States to the extent that it can be. Now, I don't know how that's going to fit with Green Agenda. I don't, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to uh, fit for oil and natural gas. I don't know how it's going to fit for mining. Uh, but, uh, but I am pretty sure that manufacturing and especially, um, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, you know, when I refer to additive manufacturing, it's exactly what Lou was talking about yesterday with uh, 3D printing, the ability to, uh, to just take raw materials and make things out of it uh, directly. Um, is uh, um, you know is a growing uh, a growing part of industry as well, and I think you know we're, that's the shift that has to take place, and that takes some some visionary people. Uh, I don't disagree, and I and if you want to play the history card, I mean we have had I'd say three major crisis situations in this country. One is when we started, and we had Washington, and one was the Civil War, and we had Lincoln. And one was essentially world uh, depression in World War II, and we had Roosevelt. So we were, if there is a big guy upstairs, he pretty much blessed us three times in our time of need, right? And now it looks like none of those three guys. He said, "I tried to help you, chumps, but you wouldn't put up with it." So okay, you got Biden. Yeah, you got well, you got Obama, Trump, and Biden, or Bush, Obama, Trump. I mean, I mean, it's a. I was talking to one of my clients last night regarding the uh, Resolution Trust and how, you know, George Bush won. Well, his buddies basically stole whatever they could steal. I mean, this idea that the minute you get to Washington, it's a, you know, stealing from the government is a national sport. I mean, Kevin, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't want the job because I'll tell you what, I, I'm not, I'm not a normal pursuer of, uh, you know, going through people's underwear and stuff, but I mean, somebody's got to do it in this country. Somebody has to, has to, has to inject a little bit of morality someplace, somewhere, where you you just don't care if you. St- it's one thing to be to be you know I I'm not naive enough I hope to to think that in World War Two you know somebody wasn't getting five percent extra on making PT boat engines, uh, but the five percent was the extra was uh, spent in the local bar, the local restaurant, around the local town to the point where. You almost, what's the difference? I mean, uh, you know, it's not right, I guess, but it's what's the difference? Um, you know, I mean, uh, same thing with, you know, Mayor Daly won, giving your your father-in-law a job as a bridge tender that nobody else wants that job. Who cares? I mean, it's a patronage system. As long as the guy shows up and raises the bridge, I guess I can put up with it. Now, should it have been some sort of a, a huge system where you made sure that this guy got it or is a test for it? I guess. But at the end of the day, it didn't really make much difference, right? But what's going on now is is totally different. I mean, the amount of money that is being stolen. I mean, we're talking about people stealing money when the federal government is only taxing forty percent of their of their budget. I mean, if if, if there's a war on it, it's a war our own people are waging against our government. You know, somehow it's got to stop. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with you, Tom. I I, I don't. I, you know, I, I think I think this is a, a huge problem, uh, and you know. You saw, you saw what happened when it was just an outsider. You know, we, we aren't talking about Trump as, as the man of integrity who is going to clean everything up. We just talk about him as an outsider, and and how hard they went after his administration and and, and disrupted his ability to govern. Even though a lot of things got done, um, the, you know, this the, the 
way, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. This this week he's filed a lawsuit, a civil suit, uh, against the people involved in the, uh, um, the Russia, the hoax for Russia. And, um, uh, and, and I, I think that's interesting because it could force some fun discovery. Uh, but that's a that's a side note. Um, the, uh, the 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 point the, the point is that if someone really comes in with uh, an eye towards really cleaning it up, what's going to happen to that person? You know. Well, that's what I'm, I mean. I, I sometimes have a bad dream about that, Kevin. You know, I so you know I, I fought the law and the law won. Well, this is I fought the system and the system is the system look, can can bury you. You know. I, 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 Obama was from outside the system, sort of. You know, he was a product. You know, he was definitely fully integrated into into Chicago uh, before he uh, um, went to Washington. But uh, but he was still an outsider, and he just became an insider. That's you you would you would have to put somebody in charge like a George Marshall of like the Pentagon, and I'll bet in six months forty percent of the people were fired. As a president, you'd have to walk in. I'd walk in. The first thing I would do is walk into the Federal Reserve meeting and say, I want everybody's resignation. I'd do the same thing with the SEC. I said, I don't, I don't know how you guys got here. I, I'll, I'll bet if we put Lou in charge of the veterans, there wouldn't be anybody left in the Veterans Administration in the top 30 people. And, and, and while that's true, you still have to fire the whole rank and file, too, because that's where you're going to get the pushback. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, there's, but there's always got to be... It's going to be through and through. I'll bet there uh, are good I'm not people. saying I don't want that to happen because I absolutely do want that to happen, but it's not. Um, it, 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 I, I'm just not optimistic about no. anything. Well, it's, it's the bureaucracy's getting like Russia. You know, which is bizarre. S&P futures up 16 now. Can't, all we're doing is running up here. Nasdaq futures up 66. Whether it's the start of a new bull market or the big suckers rally, we don't know yet. But as of today, it looks like it's going up. Be right back. We should have Angelica when we come back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. 
To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen. Just on the, board, on the board. SP futures up 15. Nasdaq futures up 67. Dow futures up 55. So it looks like we have another positive day, at least in the morning. Over in Asia, we've got the. This is a really mixed bag. Uh, Nikkei's up 39 points, 0.1%, so not much. Hang Seng's down 38, 1.1%. But get this, Hang Seng is down 541, 2.5. So they've been up and down multiple percentages like every day this week. Maybe maybe they were flat on one of them, but they've been all over the place. Uh, 3% Chinese stocks tumble again. Uh, their tech stocks are going the wrong way again after going way back up. They, you look at those things, those uh, China, like, like Baidu charts. Down to 70 something, up to 115 something. I mean, it's, when governments get involved, first we're gonna like almost put them out of business, then we cut a deal, now they're bad again. This is crazy stuff. Uh, European stocks, DAX up 84, uh, that's 0.6%, FTSE up 14.2%, CAC around up 53.8%, so generally positive over there. Yesterday, Dow was up 349, SP up 63, NASDAQ was up 269, so strong moves yesterday to the upside. We've got bonds, uh, up one basis point, 2.36. Out uh, of Bund, uh, minus two actually, but they're 5.51, which is where they were yesterday anyway. Uh, Japan, unchanged at positive 2.4. Uh, oil, down 229 to 110.05. Brent down 221, 116.81. Natural gas up three cents, 543. Uh, it's sneaking up steadily, this natural gas. Our Bob down three cents to 335. We got gold down 11 bucks, but still at 1950. Silver down 11 cents, 25.81. Copper down 2 cents, 4.71. And we have rally in, a small rally in Bitcoin, 3.93, but back up to 44,402. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's uh, currently 6.36 a.m. on March 25th, 2022. First, let's get you into sports real quick. Uh, last night in the NBA, the Bulls lost their away game to the New Orleans uh, Pelicans. That was 109 to 126. Uh, the Suns take down uh, Denver Nuggets, though, 140-130. to In hockey last night, Blackhawks beat the Los Angeles Kings 4-3, to and tonight you can see the Coyotes at Calgary Flames. 
Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about a little bit about, you know, I talked about earlier about the uh, basketball, but uh, uh, no Illinois. No Illinois uh, uh, teams made it to nope. uh, NCAA, so nothing. We're not this far. Illinois started, but eh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but currently, weather uh, currently in Chicago, uh, it's cloudy, uh, and expect uh, rain later on in the day, uh, which is a, a regular theme of this week. Uh, very different than Monday. 41 degrees currently, a uh, high of 47 and a low of 29. Uh, Phoenix, currently clear skies and expect that rest of the day. 60 degrees currently and get this, a high of 94, low of 60. Now uh, uh, traffic currently in Chicago. Traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower from Wolf Road to Austin Boulevard. Traffic northbound in Stevenson from Kedzie to the I-94 East. And there's a major backup westbound on the Dan Ryan from East 130th Street to West Marquette Road. And that's due to police activity resulting in closure inbound. Yeah, and yet another shooting. Exactly. It's it's closed uh, that whole section of the road down uh, uh, almost. we got to make sure we pick up all the bullets. We never arrest anybody. We just pick up bullets. We pick up the bullets and we turn them in the tin cans. Yeah, what do we do with, yeah, what do we do with those things? <laughs> we we got to find something. For, you know, there's probably some federal spending going on for it. Uh you know, something's it's getting getting that to use. Uh, but, yeah, it's due to police investigation, so keep that in mind. All right, uh, so why don't you give our, our girl a call, sounds good. Angelica, and then we'll have her on and uh, try and talk about what's going on over at uh, Ukraine. For those that don't know, although I think anybody's listened to the show for a while, is Angelica was uh, our producer for quite a while, and then she went to school for... Uh, Kevin, how do you... She, was a, she went to school at home, but it was like a two- or three-year program six days a week like weekends included for to become a uh a computer not a writer necessarily but a a proofreader a proofreader of some kind oh a, a, a software testing yeah and uh see uh, it's it's that's a real typical first job for people who want to get into software development okay and uh um interesting school she went to I mean, I'll let her talk but uh but she uh um you know obviously she's from Ukraine well, not obviously. She's from Ukraine, and uh, when I first talked to her, she thought the area was uh, her area where her parents, or her parents and her friends were, were kind of off the grid that the Russians wouldn't go there. But evidently, uh, they have. So I asked her to come on and talk about it. And I know you will have some questions about how the communications uh, being done. But before you get into that, the, uh, the important question is uh, police activity. Good name for a softball team. Uh, yeah, why not? Rock band, maybe. Well, especially if we all gave uh, a couple of bucks to the, the Chicago Police uh, Federation, we'd all get police hats. That'd be nice to wear. Yeah, that'd be sweet, yeah. Maybe we'd even get a call from the umpire. Maybe not. You know, we never know. <laughs> Matt, do you have any luck? Unless there be police activity on the yeah. field. <laughs> Matt, have you any luck wrecking her down? We are still trying to get Angelique. She's uh, she's a uh, hard one to catch. Oh, uh, yes, she is. But she'll, uh, <clears throat> she claims she was dialing in her 800 number. Um I'll tell her we are trying to call her. Um, so hopefully we will have her on. Uh, imagine she was our producer. We can't get a phone call together. It doesn't say much, does it, Kevin? Um, just saying. We have you. We had you. Like Eddie, we have you. We'll get her in a second. Um, so, Kevin, what... Uh, can you think of, before she comes in, can you think of a, a way out over there for the Russians and everybody else where everybody's happy? Do we have Kevin? I'm not so sure we have anybody. But uh, Matt will have somebody here in a minute. Um, anyway, the, uh, the the deal's being cut. Uh, EU has just targeted another headline here. 
just targeted U.S. tech uh, firms with a new rule book aimed at curbing their dominance, uh, which is interesting. Uh, so they have, uh, but the interesting part is the amount of the, of the fines. The, uh, the key aim of the reforms is to prevent tech giants from abusing their market position to harm smaller rivals. The so-called gatekeepers, where it's people that have the huge, I, mean, I assume they're talking about Amazon and Google and people, they violate the DMA face potential fines up to 10% of their global revenues. That's a, that's a lot of dough. Um, anywho, so we have uh, that going on. We also have uh, um, the VIX, as I mean, Michael talked about on Monday, the VIX is down to 2178. So we're starting to see some uh, uh, diminution in, in people's fears in the market. Angelique, do we have you? Hello. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. How are you? Well, I don't know. Uh, so far, uh, I'm fine. But, uh, you know, situation is uh, really difficult, but we are resisting. Yesterday was uh, exact month since the uh, um, full-scale invasion. Yeah, what uh, when, when we first talked... You said that the area you came from, you thought was kind of out of the line of fire. Did it turn out that way, or are these guys going everywhere? Uh, it's uh, not safe everywhere, but for, uh, for sure, like north, east, and south part, uh, the most critical. And uh, actually, my city is occupied. Really? For, for a few weeks now, because uh, it's... Uh, uh, by Crimea, so it's next to Peninsula, with the next in 2014, so uh, a lot of uh, weapons and like tanks coming from there. Well, they try to, but <laughs> there is a story. Did you guys hear about Chernobylovka? No, uh, that's why I was dying to have you in. First of all, just a way of introduction. Everybody knows Angelique was our uh, producer for a while. She, she went on and got like real jobs. And I'm going to say she was very popular. People still ask me about you. What, is she coming back? Can she give us a day once I'm in a while? Surprised. And everybody remembers your sports reports. <laughs> the best one was uh, Bulls lose. Why does anybody care? All they do is lose. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> Did it change? Uh, no, no. We have it on tape. We'll, we'll send it to. Hey, so you are you're near the Crimea. Or, well, tell us about the tanks, and then you also got to tell us how people are communicating over there and how you're finding all this out. Oh, well, the connection uh, connection is bad uh, in my town, um, and of course in Mariupol. Mariupol is under siege for 20-something days, and this is horrible. People like who are not there, like who have families and like, friends, uh, I don't even know how they feel because Mariupol is on the constant bombing, and it's uh, they bomb everywhere. Uh, just uh, houses, hospitals, kitchen gardens, everywhere. And they even uh, bombed uh, a bomb, sh- bomb shelter where was as uh, children, the huge war uh, letters you can see from the sky. And they bombed it there. It's over 3,000 people died. Wow. What is and, the, uh, uh is there, is, there's is no gas, no electricity, no food. They don't let any humanitarian, 
help there, no food. Uh, people, when it was snow, people had to melt snow to drink water. This is a catastrophe. What, uh, and is there any resistance? They say, uh, we're trying to organize green corridors. They say, okay, we're going to let them uh, out. We're going to do green corridor. And then they shoot at the corridor where people are trying to evacuate. Well, so in some areas, allegedly the resistance is uh, doing pretty well. In this area, it doesn't sound like they're doing so well. Yeah. What? Yes, uh, we're actually fighting really well. And uh, yesterday I saw an article, I don't know if it's British or American uh, magazine, but they're saying Ukraine has now more tanks than at the beginning of the war because we keep capturing it. Um, when you capture them, are they, are they because they're... They're busted up and they don't run, or they can you still use them? No, because Russian soldiers ran away. Oh, really? And they ran away, or we or we killed them. Actually, if if it if the whole thing somehow a miracle happened and it ended today, what what's the damage? I mean, are, are we talking a decade to rebuild? Or are we talking? I mean, how how I mean, I remember Sarajevo after the war, if they had the Olympics there and everything. The place looked like bombed out Berlin after, I mean, it took how many years? I mean, are, are we talking that kind of damage, or is it just a few areas? It's huge damage, but the most damage is uh, people's lives that we cannot come back, uh, we cannot, well, that, uh, you know, bring back. We will rebuild all the building houses, but uh, we lost, uh, I don't know, I didn't, um, I didn't check the last few days, but it's at least 3,000, and most of them civilians. There was more civilians and military people because uh, Russian Russians, and the, it's not even soldiers, it's uh, terrorists, it's murderers, occupants. So they, it's, a, it's more like mercenaries. Civilians. Well, who is, who is the resistance? I mean, is there a uh, Ukraine... You know, armed division that, that's fighting, or is it just all people or all? I use the term guerrilla warfare. Is it just resistance? You know, everyone, all through Ukrainians, they're resisting. It's Ukrainian army, uh, Ukrainian civilians, Ukrainian IT people. Uh, everyone is resisting. Even people with bare hands, they stop tanks. Really? Well, yeah, I'm like I'm right now. The last month, like fifteen hours on the phone, and fifteen hours checking constantly the news because I cannot think of any anyone anything else. Well, the last week is more like more kind of getting back normal to life, even though it's not normal. But the first two weeks was horrible. Well, we're it, we're talking about. We, the, the administration is talking about 100,000 refugees and Chicago has somewhat opened their arms. Are there, if somebody wanted to help on the refugee side, are you working on that too? Uh, I saw that uh, I'm right now just uh, learning the information. And uh, of course, if there anyone needs help, uh, we will. Uh, in Chicago, by the way, uh, one of the resistance, uh, I don't know if you heard of Miss Karpatia, this is Ukrainian post office, yeah. and since first day we are collecting mass of um, medical supplies, gears, we 
collect money, uh, you buy uh, drones, and the, the rest of the equipment. How do you get that in? How do you get that in? I mean, is it, do you, does somebody fly it to Poland and go across the border there? Or how do you get it in? Yeah. Yeah, we send them to Poland, and then there are like volunteers, or I know people who does that, but yeah, they they transfer it to Ukraine. Then. The uh, but but your area, your particular, is is quite a ways from there, right? I mean, are you, are you? Yeah, it's far from Poland, and it's right now occupied, but it's not for so long, so. They entered my city, like, I don't know, first few days of full-scale war. And uh, they start moving towards the next city, which is north from mine. North-east, uh, n- north-west, I'm sorry. I'm a Kalaev, maybe you heard of it. So yeah. they're being, um, like, very serious fights over there. And I know that our army has been pushing them back. So, uh, near days, they're expecting counter-attack uh, in my area. So, when you, when you say occupied, what exactly is mm-hmm. occupied? Like the police stations, the city hall, the... When, what, how many... Well, first, first days, they come to... The, before, there, there were like big fights around, my, around the city, like in the region but like small villages and of course lots of villages also destroyed and a lot of civilians died uh, but right now they they just go all over the cities they don't they, they check people's uh, licenses they put some blog posts check documents and everyone who's who's there uh, so they're trying to buy some governors like local governors, and they're trying to to do uh, illegal referendum, like they did in Crimea, like they did in Luhansk and Donetsk in 2014. Uh, they're trying to do legal referendum to announce uh, Kherson Republic, uh, part of Russian Republic. So they're trying, they're trying to get it's, some it's, it's unsuccessful. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, Lika, it's nice to hear your voice. Um, I'm sorry we woke you up in the morning. (laughs) I did this early, but but, uh, can can you give us a little background just on on the politics before uh, the Russian invasion? Uh, You know, for for example, um, what was the general feeling about uh, President Zelensky at that point? Was was he popular? people feel that he was doing uh, a good job in office uh, did they and did people feel that he was up to an you know a situation like this that uh, you know that they were confident mm-hmm. that he could stand up like he has I think for majority of Ukrainians uh, Zelensky uh, is a discovery right now uh, he was not so like how to say his uh, rating wasn't so high and it wasn't like the trust of course not as high as right now so honestly for me I wasn't really into like politics before before this full scale I mean I'm I'm always 
like check what's going on there, but I'm not as detailed to Zelensky particularly. And uh, I think I think a lot of people are surprised. And right now, I see the the polls that he clearly has a high support and trust in Ukrainians. And for me, it was also uh, surprising how right now he's actually. I think he's doing his best. Lika, the... Uh, it's it's tough circumstances. What, can you tell us what the, the conflict, you know, is, is it forever that we ha- you, you have the two um, eastern regions that declared themselves uh, independent, um, in, independent states? Has that conflict been kind of simmering for a long time? Uh, Mm -hmm. Was it just a matter of time before something like that happened? Uh, You're talking about full-scale war? Uh, I I, I thought it was Donetsk and Luhansk, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm not educated on that. Yeah, the idea... There were a couple of uh, Russian-speaking regions on the east, and they said, okay, now we we are declaring ourselves independent. And immediately um, the Russians said, okay, we're going to send peacekeeping forces in there, which is really what sort of ignited all of this. Well, you have to is, know is that. Long-standing, is, is that long-standing, uh, uh, long-standing problem? Is that something that, uh, that the Russians, um, you know, have been working to undermine the, uh, the rest of the Ukrainian government? What, do, you, do you have a, a take on that? Um, you're trying to ask uh, how this, like these two regions, led to the war? What? Yeah, yeah. How, how did they lead to the war? Them? Yeah, how did they lead to the war? And uh, were they was there was there fighting well, going on there anyway? I think what I think this is they were trying to to do this operation in 2014, but Russians uh, they. Don't, they still don't understand Ukrainians how we are. They think that they uh, are like Russians. Because Russian people, they they used to live uh, in so-called slavery for them. They need someone up up there to be a Tsar. Uh, right now, it's Putin, who's going. You know, Russians they understand power, and they they need some strong figure. Right now, it's kind of Putin for not so long, I'm sure. And uh, what before this full-scale invasion, I don't know if you heard this absurd speech of uh, Putin saying that Ukraine never existed and that uh, Lenin created Ukraine and uh, that I think his uh, major plan was to, to have Ukraine as part of well, he actually, he wanted to reunite all the, uh, like, former republics of Soviet Union to have this Russian empire again. And right now, he, they're not even hiding their plans for Balkans, for Poland, and they're just threatening also the rest of Europe that they're going to come, of course, with their Russian propaganda TV. And 2014, I think they tried. They tried also to capture Mariupol, which is on the stage right now, Kharkiv. And 
those cities were resistant also. They couldn't uh, make this operation the same uh, in other cities. So they only stopped on those two, Luhansk and Donetsk. Uh, because still, you know, like um, our mistake of Ukrainians that we were kind of also divided because for a long time we were either in like inside the west or east and uh, yeah there was a problem that we had a lot of also people brainwashed or the one who thought well Russia maybe is a better choice that's why but also you know they, in 2014 when they announced those republics there were a lot of uh, Russian citizens who they brought like of course some marginals who just were trying to make money to make up like a crowd for for this referendum. Liga, what's, by the way, Liga, what's the uh, what's the economy like? I mean, is anybody? I mean, I had to imagine is anybody going to work? Is anybody working the fields? Or are they going to be a, a total disaster in the grain crop this year? I mean, it's hard to imagine. In your town, are people getting up in the morning and going to work, or what do they do? I mean, it seems like it'd be kind of hard to do that. Yeah, well, our government is trying to. Um, tell people if they can because it's not all regions it's safe even to get out of house and uh, if it's safe yeah government encourage people to work because we need to keep our economy and on western side they're more likely safe uh, and my town also they're trying to keep the city uh, like alive and running well, does the, um, is the power on? Is the, is the, are the sewers working, or is the water working, or is it that bad? In my city, we have, thank God, we have uh, electricity and gas and, and water. We have some uh, food uh, shortage because uh, Russia, they don't let any food like deliver inside the region. And uh, also... The pharmacies are almost empty, and people who depend on some serious medical medicine, uh, they, it's hard for them. So if it ended... Um, but this is in my city. My city is not even that bad compared to Mariupol, compared to some Kiev region, or Chernihiv or Sumy, where like, they're bombing with ballistic missiles, with uh, cassettes. Wow! Well, so if if it we got we got to dash here pretty soon, Angelica. But mm-hmm. uh, so if it, so if it ended miraculously today, we're talking about a year before the pharmacies are full, the stores are full, and everybody's back to work. It's to be at least that, right? Um, sorry, what? I said it would, it would be a long time before everything's back to normal, even if it ended today, right? Yeah, it's gonna take a uh, time, but you know. Uh, Ukrainians, we are united, we are hardworking, we love our country, and we're going to rebuild it really fast, I know. Well, hey, thank you very much for calling in. We'd like to have you do it again, and you take care of yourself. You know you're one of our favorites, Mm -hmm. and uh, whatever. Hopefully I'll see you one of these days. S&P futures up 15, yeah. NASDAQ futures up 61. Next time I will call with a victory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Bulls? I don't know. You I don't guys <laughs> support Ukraine. Well, uh, you know what? When when it becomes time to where you're working something here, you let us know because we will help. You know we will. Sure. Thank you. All right, take care of yourself. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks.
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Want some whiskey in your water? Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. S&P futures up 15, NASDAQ futures up 60. Matt, you know who that is? I do, that's Three Dog Night. I saw them twice. What a great concert, both really? times. Saw them in Notre Dame and I saw them in Washington, Illinois. They were terrific. A lot of hits. And a uh, great drummer. Oh, definitely. Do we have Mr. Carl? We do indeed. We do. How are you? Did you uh, listen to the segment with Angelica? Yeah, I did. Um... You know, it's 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 heart wrenching to to hear. You know, obviously she's not there. She's you know she's but she's getting reports from people that are. Um, I think she's she's trying to connect people over there that can't connect each other. I mean, she's she's working hard on this. I don't think she's sleeping at all. That's all she's doing outside of work. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's what happens when you're you know you have uh, strong connections to an area that's undergoing a war. Um. I, it, I, I, let me just toss a little aside out here that that, that uh, sadly enough bears on what the, what's going on right now. Right ahead. Um, you know, Albright uh, died the other day. Yeah. All of our flags are at half mast for the you know the next week or whatever because you know she's she was the lion of foreign policy. This is the same woman, by the way, that after the Iraq War got up on television and said that the half million children that we slaughtered were worth it. Yeah. 
I don't. Okay, uh, so I think you know, and and again, I anyone that's read any of my stuff over the you know since this thing started knows that I've been extraordinarily rough on both sides, and and frankly, my being rough on Putin goes way way back because during the the housing market crash, uh, after all of the American media decided that anyone that said that people like Lloyd Blankfein should go to prison for the frauds that were committed in the years leading up to that crash, uh, got blackballed, and that included me. So uh, Lauren Lister over at RT decided that she'd have me on several times. In fact, once I actually showed up at their studio in Washington, D.C. and did an in-person appearance there. Uh, and, and the interesting thing is, is that I was told by a whole bunch of people that have you know, spooky sort of connections that I shouldn't go on there because if I, you know, if I said anything evil about Putin, that I was likely to get a polonium cocktail at the at the bar that evening after I got done. <laughs> or a little jab in the jab in the calf with by the umbrella. Yeah, you know, one of those kinds of things was going to happen. And the funny thing is, is that I savaged him more times than I can count on on her show on his network. Okay, his propaganda network. And and uh, yeah, I was not nice to <laughs> you know to Vlad. Yeah. Um, but but unlike American media, where you get 15 seconds and then they cut your mic off, I actually got to, whatever the, the two or three sentences, I mean, it was like a conversation that we have on every Friday. What, uh, two things, uh, I'll tell you a quick story about Angelica. Of course, you know, I, when she came in, I would pick her up in the morning, right? And of course, she barely, barely uh, awake and... Uh, you know, she got the she got the yoga pants and the hoodie part going, and you know, very attractive girl, nice girl, and very pleasant. And uh, you know, she, she comes in and we do the show, and she heads home, and we, you know, we just we're kind of just work buddies. So one year she got no, nothing to do for Christmas, and I said, "All right, you're, you're coming over arteries for Christmas." And it was on a weekday, so I had to come home anyway to do the show the next day. But she goes, "I'll take the train out there." And my brother goes, "No, nah, you're not taking the train. I'll come get you." you know, Dan's the nicest guy on earth, so. <laughs> Cow, she shows up, and I'm like, "Who the hell is this?" I mean, she, when she's going to somebody's house, she's going to be all dressed up. She's dressed to the nines. It's a beautiful dress. She's got the the, the, the pearls on, and I'm going, "Who's the new girl?" <laughs> and I tell you what, Audrey and her friends, and this is a, this is a tough group. These are ladies in their fifties and so forth. And, uh, everyone's a self-made, you know, you, you gotta be a lean dog to break into this pack. Let's put it that way. And they loved her. Where did you find such a terrific young lady? God, the, the world's gonna be okay. We got people like that. She charmed everybody. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is the same one I see every day in a hoodie and a hood, no yoga pants. You know what? <laughs> people can turn it on. She certainly can. And she's a, a sweet person. And she actually cares a real lot about this whole stuff as, as probably you and I would. But the question I want to ask you, Carl, is what, here's one, uh, what exactly is, I use the term wrong with us, in the sense that we can never review what we've done. We, we, we pass a bill now, and I seem to recall when I was young, uh, there used to be a routine thing like a year and a half, two years later, where they would go through a bill and say, okay, these ten parts aren't working out. They used to, there was actually a name for it, and there was like a schedule where you'd put, a new piece of legislation, you just kind of review it after a while to see, you know, what parts were a total screw-up or shouldn't have been in there or mistakes. And I, I, I remember reading, and it was pretty much hushed up here, 
long after the Iraq War, uh, the British, and they were a few years late with their critiques, so they're not perfect on this, but they at least put in a, put in a, an official summary of the Iraq War, and they were brutal on themselves about how we they never should have got in there, they never should have listened to Rumsfeld, when all he did was hear our guys talking about who was going to control the oil, the oil after the war, that they obviously didn't spend any time on who was going to actually govern the place. And how we didn't, we didn't, we went in there and just didn't do a good job from day one, and they were stupid enough to follow us. How come we don't do anything like that? I mean, you know, it seems like every bill should be reviewed a few years later. Uh, I mean, our, you know, did we kill too many people over there? Should have been in there first place. Have we ever seen any kind of a critique or review other than people like you and me and other people who read history looking back and go, man, did we screw that up that bad? I mean, is it, do we ever officially sanction anybody for screwing up? No. And and that's... <laughs> you want to talk about uh, about crazy. Let's... let's uh, I mean, and, and how insane from a policy perspective things are. Just look at the last, you know, two or three years. Leave, leave COVID out of it, although, I, you know, I've, I've spent plenty of digital ink on that. How about... How about what... In the run-up to the election, the 2020 election, where you know we have this we have this thing in the United States, we it even has a colloquial name, October Surprise, right? Where yep. you know there's always some there's always something right around the corner, you know, two weeks before the election, when the, because the American public is is so obsessed, and it's only gotten worse with smartphones and everything else that anything that isn't uh, you know that isn't in your face 15 seconds ago, you don't remember. And and so this last election cycle, the October surprise was this laptop, right? They yeah. got, you know, they got dropped off because it was broken at a repair shop, and uh, supposedly belonged to Hunter Biden. And any mention of it was spiked by the New York Times and every single social media and big tech site. Um, I got the 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 very first. Uh, of what was a series of of actions by Google that led me to split my site so that I had a non advertising section where they could not sanction me. Uh, they started going back through articles I'd written a year, two years earlier, and and blackballing them and sending me threats that they were going to demonetize my connection to their advertising network for things that were perfectly fine a year earlier, okay? And all of a sudden, oh boy. Now, as it turns out, what I was able to later figure out, because the people that do this are not really all that smart, is that this wasn't actually Google itself that was doing this. There are a group of activist political organizations, and I traced one of them, and I know exactly who they are, and believe me, when I get to meet these people in hell someday, we're going to have a conversation. All right. They run around. They have some kind of a back channel API, a programmatic, a programmatic interface that allows them to report things into Google's infrastructure that are quote unquote offensive. And they have a robot. This is not a human. This is robotic that runs around tagging things 
and getting them blackballed. And there is a back channel that no one knows about because as far as I know, there is no way to do this on an AdWords site, on something that has Google's advertising on it. There is no place for you to go on Google manually and say, I'm offended by this or I think there's something wrong with it. It's there is, But there is a programmatic back channel. And the reason I know this is because when you get one of these strikes, they give you the link that generated it. And the links that came in that generated this action, this so-called enforcement action, are malformed. They are not something that could have ever been found by somebody at, and, and generated by someone actually reading the site. It's impossible. And yet, because of the way my software works, it tries to be very permissive. So if you mal, you know, you mistype something, whatever, if it finds what it thinks you're looking for, it will display it. So that's why these went through. Okay, and and so what we have here is this shadow group of organizations that we do not have any identification on. Although, if you're if you have the correct logging and the right technology, you can figure out who they are. Uh, that are running around doing this stuff, and and there is essentially another a you could call them a, a group of censors. Or a third, a, what we, we supposedly have the fourth estate and the fifth estate. Well, guess what? This is the sixth and seventh estate. And nobody has their names. They're not out in front. They're, they're the commissars that are unnamed, and yet they are the tone police. And if you violate what they like, then they will try to find some way to throw you off the air. I, you can see, I don't know if it's, uh, it says, Somebody's doing it. I don't. I mean, we. Well, I know. I know who. I know who at least one of the groups are, Chief. Well, what? Because the, I tracked one of these people. I tracked one of these organizations down, and it. And they're not smart. They think they're smart by doing this the way they're doing it. They're not as smart as they think they are. I've been running internet code and writing it and maintaining it for twenty plus years, and these people are nowhere near as bright as they believe. Well, that I that I would believe, but I, I guess the the. The, uh, when we had the Constitution and the people at the time decided to come up with a Bill of Rights, uh, I, I think people never dreamed that the censorship was going to come from within. It was always something government did to people. And that's kind of really not what's happening here. I mean, is it? I mean, a little bit, but. Oh, it, no, no, not at all. You know, yeah. here, let's, let's just take another example because this is contemporary too. Okay. You know, we're having this big brouhaha over KBJ, right? The, 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 the Supreme Court nominee. And and everybody wants to go off about this whole thing about the, the decisions that she's made as a judge, sentencing decisions having to do with child pornography cases, where some dirtbag has a bunch of kiddie porn on his computer, gets caught, and you know, and then to obviously go to jail for this. Okay. Um, her her particular view of appropriate sentences for those offenses is actually not really out of the mainstream of judicial thought by much at all. It's it's a little on the soft side, but but we're talking about a little, okay? The the Senate's portrayal of this is that anybody that does this should get locked up and have the key thrown away, which, uh, you know, okay, that's a debate to have. May I ask why Hunter Biden isn't in prison? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of these, well, well if, if the I refuse to believe the one guy committed suicide in jail. Well, yeah, and, and, and let's go a little further, okay? 
the CEO of Disney mobilized a $60 billion corporation, his, to protest that the state of Florida was banning, by actual legislation, the discussion of sexual orientation among kindergartners. That's a... Uh that's really. I mean, this whole where, where this is all going. I, I'm a real, I'm a real live and let live kind of guy, Carl. But I don't, I don't. Uh, in fact, a discussion with this with a client last night. Uh, we met and uh, yeah, it was we watched watched the Bruins. We watched the games. We had a nice conversation. It was, it was nice, nice. You know, when when you work with people that are good people, it, it's it's kind of fun. I mean, it really is. And uh, anyway, we were talking about. I said, you know, when it comes to an ID card, he says, what do you think about you know. Being able to decide whether you're male or female. I said, you know, you can decide whether you're male or female all you want behind closed doors, but when it's an ID card, I, I'm not supposed to put down, I'm a female, I'm 5'1", I'm 110 pounds. It's an ID card. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm a male, I'm 6'3", and, and I weigh too much. That's what's supposed to be on the card, so they can look at the card and look at me and say, yep, it's you, right? I mean, what what what, what am I missing here? Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I, you know, I have a passport. Okay, as do an awful lot of people. I have a driver's license. Yeah. Um, guess what? If you know, the, the whole reason I have that is because uh, if I want to travel internationally, some some person is supposed to look at that thing and say, "Yeah, that really is who it says it is." <laughs> okay. <laughs> is is this not evident and obvious? From you know, from just initial, uh, why are we going here? And then, but you think about how far down the the rabbit hole of crazy we've gone, and and this all ties back to what's going on right now with with Ukraine and what happened with Albright and Iraq and and all of this nonsense. All right, why is it? that after the CEO of a $60 billion corporation that exists for the explicit purpose of making things that are consumed by children, essentially Disney's entire reason to exist as a corporation is to make Mickey Mouse, essentially. <laughs> okay, yeah. if you think about it. I mean, in one form or another, right? It's movies, it's theme parks, it's cruise ships, all all aimed at children and young and families that have young kids. That's what the place is. That's what the company is. And and yet, why is there a single parent with a single six-year-old kid in one of those parks? Why are they going to line up and pay that $100 or whatever it is to get in today? It's why are they now. there right now? It's like 135 or 150 right now. Well, but, uh, you know, but the, but the question stands, yeah. okay? I mean, what? One percent of the people that have children, or one tenth of one percent, one thousandth of one percent, whatever it is, are creeps and pedophiles and nuts, and they're they're assaulting their own kids. Everybody else is a reasonable human being and understands six year olds are do have absolutely no interest in and no reason to be taught anything about sex in school. Right, I agree. I don't. Uh... Right. So, so how is this? You know, how does this go on? And then look at what's look at what we have going on right now. All right, we have we have an administration that has that explicitly stated they are fully aware that what they what they are doing and the poking that we did and as as I pointed out and I sent I sent the links over to Kevin and and you know to a bunch of other people that have challenged me on this in November this last year we. Ex- 
explicitly stated that we were advocating for the addition of Ukraine into NATO, which meant that we advocated for placing weapons with the full backing of all of the nations that are doing this right on Russia's doorstep. And we have known for 30 years that if we did that, it would start a war. Why, uh, I mean, what, we let, when, how long has Turkey been a member of NATO? Oh, good Lord, that was not, that was 1953, I think? But we took our missiles out of there. Well, okay, um, you realize that Turkey, so, you, you know, you're not geographically challenged, an awful lot of Americans are. Turkey controls two straits that are the entrance and exit of essentially a connection from inland seas to the Med. Yeah, oh yeah, and uh, it's it's almost like the Suez Canal. Uh, It's it's exactly like the Suez Canal. Um, Why why was it such a big deal that we had those weapons there? Um, For that exact reason. Okay, so, they, yeah, they were withdrawn. Um, was that the, yeah, that was the right thing to do. You know, who, who in their right mind, I mean, is, 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 when you get down to it, what, is it, what does this thing really boil down to? What it really boils down to is that there are, a, there are a significant percentage of people in the foreign policy establishment in the United States and in other nations that believe that the only way we will have peace in our time to quote an infamous statement is that if we destroy the existing political environment in Russia and replace it with one that is favorable to the West. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of people feel the same way about North Korea and China. I'm not so sure they're wrong. Well, you know what? They may be right, they may be wrong, but the guy on the other side is not a singular madman. He's backed by an entire federal assembly, and he has 6,000 nuclear weapons. Yeah, I don't disagree. I... I, uh, now, if in, in, a, in, a, in a regular world, there should be a way for the Ukraine to make their own decision to move closer to the West because the economy is much better without missiles going up 40 feet from the Russian border. There ought to be a negotiated way to do that. You would think. Well, you know what? There was a way to do that. We, this is what we told Gorbachev was going to happen, that we weren't going to expand NATO to the, to the East, and that he had a buffer zone. And therefore, it was perfectly okay that we reintegrate Germany, which, by the way, you know, part uh, half of was communist, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And that it was all right, and it wouldn't, and it would not threaten the independence of Russia as a nation. And and we lied about that, ridiculously so. In 2004, we admitted a bunch of the former Soviet satellites into NATO directly which was a wild violation of the representations we made. And and you know what? That, 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 that Russia kind of sort of put up with how that. Does, how, does, then, uh, how does this, when you see things like this happen, when, when, when somebody, suppose they dropped you and I as a two-headed monster in the Oval Office for four years, how do we, how do we even know all the stuff that is percolating through all these divisions? I mean, I, I, you know, I've read an awful lot. This may just because people like the guy. I uh, read a lot about World War II, and you can't find anywhere that Roosevelt was, oh, he had to be aware, but certainly was not the pusher 
of the Japanese concentration camps. It's sort of, there were a few people in Congress who wanted to do it. He just, he just didn't stop them. And there was right. people in the administration. I mean, if you don't actively shut these people off, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even, I guess what I'm asking here, it's almost like you can't even be passive about it. I mean, I said I, I played golf at Olympia Fields once. Well, I actually played there twice, but once I played the whole place and, it was over. It was over by pay grade, Carl. <laughs> Just put it that way. I was not good enough for Olympia <laughs> Field, and uh, so uh, the guy we were having. Uh, well, he he was our the guy who got us in. He was the member. We were the guests. I'll be uh, exact here. We have right. we have a few cocktails, and of course, he has more than a few. And he starts telling us about his time in the Far East when he actually was a Catholic priest, and he was a I don't know if he was a wherever he was a missionary priest of some kind, and. Uh, he was in Korea, and he was some other place, and he starts, well, I mean, you know, in some ways he sounded like you. You would have loved to have been there. He, he says, when you get overseas, the U.S. is is nothing more than a foreign, uh, you know, almost a mercenary force for big corporations. Yeah. He goes, and, that, and that's what we do. And, and uh, he goes, I had, he goes, I had, I started to get to the part of economics where I started talking about labor unions, and some of the CIA showed up and said, we don't want you to talk about labor unions. In uh, South Korea, you know, so I mean, I, the, I don't see how do you. There's got to be all the countries in the world. We got our finger in like every damn one of them. I think somehow, I, but it, for you and I, just land in the Oval Office. That's why, as much as I can't stand the guy, I feel sorry for Trump because I think I think even if he wanted to do a good job, I don't think he could have. I mean, he maybe wanted. I mean, even if he had the capability, unless unless he had the. You know the singular. I think you and I, to, to a perfect extent, work harder than he does. I mean, I no. If I knew I was there by myself, the first thing I would do is I'd have I'd have every three or four congressmen up to Camp David for a weekend and say, "Here's here's my plan. Where do you stand?" I mean, there'd be I I try and get support, which he, of course, by the time he insulted everybody, nobody supported him. Even the people who liked right. him couldn't wait to leave. So you you can't manage like that. But I mean, I, I would take you and I. Eight years just to find out what the hell's going on out there, much less what whether they're doing what we want them to do. Well, I th- I think part of it is this: is that if you're going if you're going to be a so-called insurgent president, which is essentially what you know within the political system, okay, you know, leave the guns away, um, and that's that's how he sold himself, and that's how he got elected. I mean, if you you know if you, if you actually look at it, that's oh, yeah. what happened without a doubt. Uh, Michael, um, Michael Moore then, says that. You know, you know, said that was Newt Gingrich. Well, you know what? But if you're going to do that, then what you have to do is you have to go to the American people that put you in office and make clear that you fully understand that you know that the Hillary Clinton arm of the of uh, Washington plus the Mitch McConnell arm, okay, yeah, so yeah. that's like both sides, right? Oh well, yeah. Um, oh, by the way, they all hate my guts, and and if necessary. Uh, we're going to we're going to play seventeen seventy six on these people because you put me in office, and we hope it doesn't come to that. We don't want it to come to that, but we're going to put everybody on notice that that is the set of stakes that you're playing with if you do this crap. Oh, you you're like you know what it reminds me of? It absolutely it absolutely reminds me of the scene in the Untouchables where Sean Connery says to Kevin Costner, "You know, if you go through that door, there's no coming back." That's right. But you know, but you know what? Here's here's the biggest problem I have with Trump. When when you really came down to the to the decisions that matter, 
there are times that as commander in chief, you have to put your your you know what's on the line. Oh yeah. Okay. That's just the that's the job, and and it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. That's the job. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to risk being potentially assassinated, impeached, whatever. You know, if if that's not in, if your temperament is not suited to be able to handle that and deal with it, then you have no business running for president of the United States. Well, it's hard to know that you have that temperament until it happens. It's like, well, I understand. I, I, I'm I'm not debating that. I'm just saying that once once it became apparent that that was not the case, then he got savaged from you know from every corner because what he wasn't willing to do is get up there and give a speech like Roosevelt gave. Okay, or like a few other people have given. I mean, you know, Lincoln for crying yeah. out loud. Although Lincoln, you know, I get me started on him. People like to cite them as as just as you know their favorite president. I think the man was a monster, but it it doesn't matter. Okay, I mean, history is what it is. The thing is, is that when you look at what we've what we're facing right now economically as a result of this, and I don't know if these people in Washington have any clue. Some of the, some of the people in the Senate do, and I'm sure some of the policy wonks do. But the folks in the House and the people, the the unanimous standing ovation that came from Zelensky when he gave his speech and essentially said that this was a Pearl Harbor kind of moment, or you know, this was that this was you know, equivalent to the Holocaust or the the Jews bombing, you know, the the, the Jews getting slaughtered and the Japs bombing Pearl Harbor. I, I, I don't want to throw up in my mouth that that actually got, you know, that that got a standing ovation from every single member I'll of Congress. Carl, we're going to break, but I'm going to bet you what you just talked about for the last 20 minutes, half those guys don't even know. Oh, absolutely. And you know what's even, but what's worse is what's going to come back on us as a result of this. And, and I, I want to spend enough time on it, and I know we're going to hit the break here. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting it right now. I also want to talk to you a little bit about you know some of this economic stuff, because you, you, uh, you keep, even though you don't know you're doing it, you're alluding to this being the policy to policy. I think the people who are doing uh, this this economy has worked spectacularly for a few people. SP futures uh, still fifteen seventy five, kind of stuck here. Uh, Nasdaq up sixty two, kind of stuck there. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose for whatever reason. 
I'm sure you are aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we have always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 13. NASDAQ Futures up 47. Uh, news of the world is that some huge natural gas deal uh, between the U.S. and uh uh, Europe over the next year or two has been cut, which we kind of knew that was coming. Uh, I don't know if that means we want to invest in natural gas or people are already there. Uh, clearly the, uh, natural gas ships, we've been building those, I think, as fast as we can in the last year or so. Uh, also we have the, the U.S. targeted the U.S. tech giants with some new rules where if they try and squeeze out the little guy, you know, they've raised the fines pretty substantial whether they'll ever do it or not, you know, who the hell knows. But, uh, that's the story. Dow Futures up 99. Over in Asia, we've got the, uh, uh, these guys were kind of mixed earlier. Well, they're still the same. They've been closed since we started doing the show. Nikkei up 39.1%. Shanghai down 38, however, that's 1.2%. Hang Seng down 541. Back down to 21,404. So these guys, I think, topped out around 29. I think they, their low might have been 18 or 19. And now they've come up some, but now they're not, they're not staying up there. So it's, uh, they've, they've had the rockiest ride. For the last year of any of the exchanges, uh, over in Europe we got the DAX up 145. That's a full one percent now. They've gone up since we did this an hour ago. Uh, FTSE up 25.3 percent. CAC around up 52.8 percent. There's a way of review. Yesterday Dow up 349. S&P up 63. A strong day in the S&P. Nasdaq up 269. That was 1.9 percent. A lot of your semiconductor stocks and Apple was up a bunch. Not sure. Apple was trading at 157. Now it's back up to 174. That's kind of crazy. It's like a real lot of money in market cap. Uh, bonds uh, up one basis point to 2.36. The bond down three basis points to 0. 0.4. Eh, call it 0. 0.5. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0. 0.24. Oil uh, down three bucks now, which is down two and a half percent. It's dropped in the last hour as well. Uh, 109.46 uh, is the whole number. Rent down 307. 115.96. Natural gas actually up 15 cents. 555 is creeping toward the $6 number, like, relentlessly. Not not violently like it was last time I went up there, but just every day it's up. Our Bob up down five cents, five cents to 333. We've got gold down nine bucks, down to 1953. Still over 1950. Silver up down eight cents, 2584. Copper down two cents, 471. 
And we've got Bitcoin up 732 to 44,741. Matt, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's currently 7.36 a.m. on March 25th, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. In the NBA last night, the ball, the Bulls lose their away game to the New Orleans Pe- uh, Pelicans. It's 109 to 126. As your pe- predecessor said when she was in, they're still losing. <laughs> no, she's not wrong. No. Suns take down Denver Nuggets. Uh, that's 140 to 130. Uh, in hockey last night, Blackhawks beat the Los Angeles Kings 4-3. to And tonight, the Coyotes are at the Calgary Flames. Weather currently in Chicago, it's uh, currently cloudy. Expect rain throughout the day, much like the rest of this week. Uh, 41 degrees currently, high of 47, and a low of 29. In Phoenix, clear skies, that's 60 60 degrees, and a high of 94, and a low of 60. Current traffic in Chicago, uh, eastbound on Eisenhower between ramp at US 45 North and Paulina Street. Traffic westbound on Eisenhower between uh, Laramie Avenue and Desplaines Avenue. Traffic eastbound in Kennedy between Harlem and Foster Avenue. Traffic westbound in Kennedy between Lawrence and North Nagel Avenue. Traffic eastbound in Eden between Kedzie and Armitage. And again at Greenview and Taylor Street. And a major backup of westbound in Eden's between 113th and West Marquette. That's due to road closures at 71st Avenue due to police invest- investigation. Uh, traffic northbound Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 to South Pulaski Road. That's all we got, Chief. Do we know if there are any fatalities there or just looking for bullets? I think they're still looking. As far as I know, the the road is still closed and uh, they're still on the road, still looking for stuff. It is. Um, Carl, uh, you know, we, we, we've, one thing for sure, we talk about a lot of, a lot of subjects, not just with you, but with Lou, with Kevin, and, uh, and Russell, and uh, everybody comes at the same issues with somewhat of a different angle, but you know what? They really all are the same issues. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm curious economically, and I don't see how, I don't see how you fight or prevent wars. I mean, we thought we prevented wars for years by just being stronger than everybody else. Everybody's afraid to mess with us. Now it appears other people, uh, are taking their shots, and I, I think that the, you know, it's hard to put a one-to-one relationship on it, but, uh, perceived weakness clearly is an issue. And, uh, now I, I, most people I think would say from the outside, and I, you know, I can't really disagree with it that much that, um, whatever Trump tried to do, I mean, his, his style, I don't think his style was to, uh, wreck the European alliance versus us. Um, I, the way he went about it, I think maybe he sort of did for a while. Uh, now, you know, Biden is much more conciliatory. Uh, you know, he, he I think has recreated that alliance. Now, whether that helps us with the, you know, Chinese arming islands and so forth and the North, North Korea spending 90% of their GDP on missiles instead of food and electricity for their people. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think somehow or another we, we need to right our ship, uh, here just so people don't think that we're to be messed with because it looks to me like people are thinking that way. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the <laughs> funny story that, that plays into this, but at an international level, uh, many years ago, before I ran MCS, I worked for a company that had its offices in Chicago on the uh, wrong side of the river, uh, headed towards 90-94, uh, just on the wrong side. So the, the building—I won't name them—but the building that was was you know 
block off the bridge, right? So, you know, in order to get to the L, the Ravenswood L, to get back to my apartment, I had to cross over that bridge, and then, uh, you know, the next couple of streets over, there's there's the train station. Okay. So, you know, during the during the business day, this is all full of business people, right, going to and from work. Well, uh, I've, I've been a... One of those computer guys for an awfully long time, and uh, what comes with that is sometimes you're working until you know eleven o'clock at night or midnight or something like this, and so you you kind of you know you do your best to knock off before the train stops running because eventually it does. I'm uh, I'm walking to the the train station at about ten o'clock at night from uh, from the office, and uh, there's a a group of three young men of a particular persuasion who I detect tailing me. Now, the job I had at the time required that I wear a suit and tie, business attire, and it was it was the early spring, so I had a trench coat on over the top of it because I didn't want to freeze to death. And uh, well, it was pretty obvious I was going to get mugged before I got to the, the train station. So I faked having a pistol, which was illegal to own in the city of Chicago during those years, uh, stuck my hand in the trench coat and, and made it look like there was a gun in there. I don't think and you were, three, I think you were all first. three of those thugs ran. They decided they'd rather not find out whether or not I was, you know, I was lying. Well, right? now, they, now they would be armed. Huh? Now they would be armed. Well, Yeah. But, you know, three three young men against one dude is going to end badly if you're the one dude, right? So, and, and you don't have anything other than your hands, and, uh, you know, that's kind of how that was going to go down, especially when, you know, all three of them are bigger than you are. So, uh, it, the thing is, though, is that, that, I mean, it was a bluff, and uh, it was a successful bluff, but there's there's something to that on the international stage too. You know, it's as as I have pointed out a few times. Um, one of Trump's one of the things that Trump did, uh, whether you love him or hate him, was that he he told Putin allegedly that uh, if there was any screwing around, that Moscow was going to be a ball of expanding gas. And it, it, there's also, of course, the infamous Reagan incident that was very similar where he was allegedly on a hot mic and said I've just signed a bill to eliminate the USSR the bombing starts in five minutes <laughs> and it, the thing is that there is something in statecraft to the other guy thinking you're just a little bit crazy oh without a doubt without a doubt yeah and, and, and he never really knows if you meant it or yeah I mean you're screwing around or, or would you really do it he doesn't know and and you don't ever want to be seen as completely nuts that's bad. But just a little bit crazy is actually very good for somebody in that job. And, and that is part of statecraft. It's part of the deal. And so, you know, we've lost that. We, that's, that doesn't exist in our current administration at all. It hasn't existed in the world. And that, I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that that plus the compromise. I mean, if, you, if you're sitting in Russia and you're in a, you know, you're in the uh, you're in the federal assembly. You're, you're Putin. You're any of the people there in the intelligence community or the military community there, and you look at this and you say, you know, um, this guy not only you know had his ten percent for the big guy, not only is on the take, but his kid got caught with video that looks like child pornography on a laptop, 
and and the press and everybody else buried it. Well, guess what? He's not going to do anything about us fooling around over there. Well, that could be. I mean, uh, there's also a... You know, I, I go back and forth on this, uh, uh, Carl, because as more I've read about World War II, uh, Eisenhower, you know, he became the uh, the commander in, in Europe only because Roosevelt said he couldn't he couldn't spare Marshall, uh, so he becomes a commander over there, and he made some glaring errors. I mean, some glaring glaring errors that uh, today I don't think if it would have got out that that there was glaring errors to that extent that he could possibly there, there there's a fine line between expecting people to be perfect and not having any news at all. You know, where you you hide everything, and I, I don't know where that line is. I mean, his his practice D-Day thing, didn't more people die at that than, uh, than, than D-Day or damn near or something? Uh, where, where they use live ammo and, uh, and they, and they, the timing is wrong, so they, the, the stuff landed on our own people, plus the Germans saw it happening and, and sunk how many ships by submarine and, I mean, it was a disaster. I mean, and yet, yeah. I mean, uh, so I, I don't think today, if that's on all the news, that Eisenhower leads that, do you? And, and if he didn't do that, he wouldn't be president. I mean, I, there's, there's a sort of selective uh, news stuff that's always been kind of there. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, there, there is. It's not, it's not new. And there's a lot of people that think that this is, you know, this is some some new thing in America with the arise, of, you know, the arising of big tech and and everybody having a smartphone and you know, you've all got your TikTok and your Twitter or whatever. It's nonsense. It's been going on forever, and and it's it is part of the reality of a media i mean i've you know i've pointed out the the, the wild-eyed crazy slanting of reporting that occurred during the vietnam war which at the time that i originally heard it as a kid uh i i, I had absolutely no clue it was it was you know twisted to that sort of degree uh 10 years later i sure did but at oh, yeah. the time i didn't and so, and, and yet, you know, that's fact. Okay, that's uh, you can't you can't argue that you know did that happen? Did that happen? It's historical fact. We all know this. And so, that's nothing new. What I'm concerned about here, with what we have going on today, is that we have spent the last thirty plus years in the United States hiding with with the cooperation of other nations, inflationary, monetary, and fiscal policies at an utterly extreme degree. And people like to call this the petrodollar or they like to you know they like to they like to put this twaddle about reserve currencies out there. It's nonsense. The 90% of it, you know there's there's always a little kernel of truth in every trope that gets run because that's that's how stereotypes work, right? But the but the reality of it is that the majority of the reason that international trade is denominated and conducted in dollars is very simple. Virtually every international transaction has a relatively long timeline between when the deal is struck and when performance is completed. If you want to buy a tanker full of oil, you, you make the purchase, the oil has to be put on a ship, and then that ship has to sail from wherever it sources to wherever it gets consumed and gets dumped into a refinery. And that takes time. Very little of international commerce takes place in dollar terms, in gross volume terms, takes place where something something goes on a FedEx airplane and is there in 48 hours. Most of it goes on a ship and is there in three weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks, six months. 
and in some cases it has to be dug out of the ground first. And it, it, you know, I mean, it, 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 we're, we're talking about cra- wild-eyed crazy stuff. Look, the process of making a single electric vehicle battery, just one, involves digging half a million tons of earth out of the ground. Really? What are, what are, for the nickel or for what, the cadmium? Well, so it is for everything. It's between yeah. the lithium, the cobalt, the nickel, the, you know, all the different things go into it. It's the, the it, when you look at the, it, I mean, the environmental destruction and damages, it is insane. But you are, just for one battery, you're literally shoveling huge amounts of planet into processes that then end up ultimately making a thousand pound battery pack that goes to the bottom of that Tesla. That's the reality of it. But all of this takes a great deal of time. And the reason that the dollar has been used as the, as the transactional currency for this is exactly that. On a relative basis, and, you know, look, it's, it all comes down to how ugly all the girls are in the dance hall when, you're, you, know, when you get to pick one. The reality is is that the dollar has been more stable and less subject to expropriation by non-rule-of-law-based things over history for the last 40 or 50 years. And so as a result, all these transactions take place in dollars, and it's not because of some wild-eyed alliance between George Soros' open society. No, it's simply this. I am a producer of something. I have to have some idea of what I'm getting paid is going to be worth six months from now when the thing gets to the other end. And that's all it is. And the problem is that what we've done over the last <laughs> the last year or two is destroy that. Not only have we put crazy amounts of inflation into the system on purpose, but in addition to that, we've destroyed the trust. We start sanctioning people, we start playing games with, oh, we're going to seize well, this, we're going to well, seize that. We just had Canada do the same thing with people who were politically unaligned with whatever the Trudeau administration wanted to do. All of a sudden, your your bank account has been frozen and all your money's gone. And we have people in the United States talking about getting rid of currency and having a digital, able to be shut off with a push of a button dollar that the Federal Reserve has control over, which means the government has control over it. And what have we done for the last 30 years we have ended up with all of these dollars, these credit dollars that Congress has admitted in deficit spending, and they're all parked overseas as a result of this transactional process. And as GDP expands, the amount of that parking goes up. Well, guess what? If all of that gets reversed because nobody believes and trusts anymore that the money's going to be theirs and the value's good, then all that inflationary policy that we did not get charged for over the last 30 years comes right back here in the United States and we get hammered with it today. Well, you, you, are, you are getting charged with it, I think, already. And, uh, well, where do you think all this inflation came from? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. But, the, the right, but, but you know, uh, Chief, it, it, what you've seen so far is a tenth of what's going to happen well, I, if we I'm, don't stop this. The deg- I'm with you on the degree. I don't know about a tenth, but I'm with you on it being worse. But here, here's... Here's kind of what I think has happened here, uh, Carl, because we've we've managed to we've we've over we've overrun the system with dollars to the point where even a monetarist like me is 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 it a, is, it, is is want to explain what has happened because uh, if you I was just reviewing the Federal Reserve's actions in the seventy one seventy two and the Nixon administration when a lot of this all well when it started the last time. 
Uh, we didn't. The, the the difference in policy this time has been so dramatic. First of all, even if you go on TV, guys, I think that are pretty good, like Santelli and so forth. If you were to yeah. say we're 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 burying the dollar by putting by just pouring more money into the system, the first thing any of those guys and they're not idiots. I mean, they've they've got degrees. A lot of them know something about economics. They're going to say, "What are you talking about? We're hanging in there with the with the with the pound. We're hanging in there with the euro. We're hanging in there with the yen." Because they're doing the exact same thing. Okay, so we, on a relative scale, with those currencies, we haven't really, I think the dollar's up a little bit or down a little bit, but it's not, it's nothing crazy, right? Well, but the thing about the dollar, if, if you really, I think, understand, which I hope I do, if you really understand what currency is all about, it's just another good like anything else. Right. It's, it's, it, it just happens to be, the dollar, and, and we've gotten very uh, comfortable over a long period of time in this country, especially in the Midwest, where you never you never changed money for Deutschmarks or whatever all the stuff used to. When I was the first time I was in Europe, all I did was change dollars every time we crossed we went across uh, a border. I mean, you're very aware that your 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 currency is just is just a good like anything else. But if you look at dollars versus medical care, you look at dollars versus oil. I mean, recently, but you look at dollars versus automobiles or versus houses in the last 20 years, you get a total, totally different view of the dollar's stability at this point. Oh, yeah, but you know what? But see, here's the thing. From the standpoint of the guy who's who just dug that half million pounds worth of dirt out of the ground in order to process it, uh, all he cares about is that when he gets it, when when that performance is complete, on his part, and the battery pack is over here in the United States, that when he's done with that, that what he gets paid in, he can spend, and he has some kind of a boundary on what it's going to be worth. And if, and if he puts an escalation clause on it, whether he uses CPI like we used to, like, no, I never would, uh, he's going to be okay. So, Yeah, and, and, but but see, we're destroying that. Oh, absolutely. Okay? And, absolutely. And, and, and that's the problem that we have as things are... are you know, are actually happening on the ground. And so when we when we look at, at all of these changes that are taking place, and they're they're intentional. Okay, the people that are doing this, they don't understand they may not understand the side effects, but what they're doing is not an accident. And the people on the other side of the transaction that are seeing it are seeing those as intentional acts. And it is an entirely different game to sanction North Korea which does not have a reasonable evasion mechanism and doesn't... I mean, what do they export that, that somebody else needs, right? Nothing. Nothing. Okay? Right, nothing. All right? What, you, now, you sanction Russia. What does Russia export that other people need? Well, natural gas, obviously. And by the way, the blabbering idiots that are talking about, well, you know, the United States can supply it. No, we can't. LNG is a terrible transport mechanism. It's expensive as blankety-blank. Natural gas is not fungible like oil is. Because you cannot transport it over large distances by any other reasonable way than pipeline. That's just the way it is. I don't care whether you like it or not. Those are facts. And so you've got that. The other problem you have is that Russia is not just a nickel source. They're a major source for things like potash and, and the other elements that go into fertilizer, without which you don't have any crops. And, oh, by the way, Europe uses about... I think it's four or five times on an on a acre foot basis the amount of fertilizer that we do to maintain their crop yields. 
Biden came out yesterday and actually admitted that he expects famines in significant parts of the world as a result of what we've done. Uh, I don't think he's he or we are ready for what happens when that happens. Well, uh, I mean, you know, you think there's only one war? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Excuse me? There's going to be a war everywhere where people can't eat. Well, that's what I'm saying. My, my brother, who, uh, president of PTI and a, a really, really bright guy. You never can say that to your brother's face, right? But I can, I can say it when he's not listening. Um, he, he keeps me apprised of uh, world price of grains and stuff. And uh, w- when we have unrest, and I say, I've said this a few times, uh, I mean, the, the, the Arab Spring... Just happened to coincide with a with an inflation spike in grains. Would they have a drought someplace or something? Uh, yeah, ju- yeah, just happened. Yeah, just <laughs> just happened to coincide. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, everybody's pretty. I'm going to say pretty fat and happy here. Everybody likes to be fatter and happier. But uh, the fact is, uh, like Dan tells me, that's his name. Uh, he he said, you know, in most of the world, when the when the price of the cereal ones you want, cereal means grain, right? The, right. When the price of cereal column goes above five dollars, uh, it it that's the amount that somebody like eats per day. When that goes over five bucks, most of the world doesn't make more than five bucks per day. Right. So, so when that number gets above you, that's when you have all of a sudden have the Israelis have issues with the people in Gaza, or they got issues someplace else, or or the you know the Egyptians have problems with their people. There, there's when it, when when it comes to when these prices go up, it's it's not just a zero sum game, Colin. And, our, and like I agree with you, we only got a couple of minutes. I agree with you. Our, our guys think they're being as I use a tough outside term. They think they're being slick, and people don't notice. Well, I'm telling you what, I notice it, and and more and more people are starting to notice it. And, and uh, I mean, I was with a few people last night, and they go, "Man, you know, you started talking about this a couple of years ago, and we don't know what the hell you're talking about." But sure, sure seems like. But you look at some of these other countries, Colin. Look, even even the Weimar Republic. You look at you know they 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 buried the place with inflation. By the way, they they considered that a success. Success, you do know that, right? Yeah, I do. And uh, but look what happened to their stock market. Where'd it go to? Like two million? Yeah. Well, it, yeah. The problem was was that you needed a wheelbarrow to get bread with what you had right. at the end of it. But the stock market went up. Same thing happened in Iran. Same thing happened in Argentina. Same thing happened in Venezuela. In the in the terms of their currency, their stock market went to the moon. So we're, yeah, except that, except that what you had didn't buy anything, and, and as right. I've pointed out to people repeatedly over the years, I don't care how many dollars you have, I care what you can buy with them. Well, I mean that's that's what I, I think. If, if you know if somebody would grill me about all the the the, the supposed uh, uh, digital currencies, they're, they're they're barking up the wrong tree. Carl. I think if somebody were to oh, say yeah. if somebody were to say here's a currency based on you know every dollar is a cup of oil or something. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised that in 10 years that currency became a serious way for people to do business with. But the currency is not supposed to go up 10 and 20% a day like, like, like Bitcoin does. What is that? That, that, it, you know, that's a fake stock. That, 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 that that's not a currency. Well, it's, it's a speculative instrument. It's like anything else it's, yeah. that is used for speculation. But currencies are not supposed, and that's and that's where the where the mechanism breaks down. Because, right. like I said, the reason it's used for international trade is simply because it takes time to perform and you need something that's stable so you know how much you're going to get. Well, absolutely. Carl, have a nice weekend, buddy. Is your team, do you have a team and are they still in it? Uh, I don't really. I, I really don't care about the, the whole the March Madness nonsense. So. Well, this year's a little bit interesting. 
look, look at the economic influence. Talk about this next week. The economic influence of this transfer portal. Somebody wrote a week ago, two weeks ago, that there are 15 teams that could, could win now. Where it used to be what? Yeah. Four or five? And what? We might, we lose Peru tonight. We got no number ones left, right? Well. Yeah. You know, there you go. All right, bud. Take care of yourself. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures up 14. NASA Futures up 47. Nice job, Matt. Back Monday, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. So that's that's it then. No one else really knows anything.